Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we share wisdom and practical tips to help you grow stronger in all areas of your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who offer real-world experiences that you can apply to your own journey. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I am so excited to welcome as my guest, Sarah Tabbitt. Sarah, welcome to my show. Hi, Meredith. Thank you for having me. Thank you for hosting me. Oh, well, this is going to be such a great conversation. And before we dive in, I want to let my audience know more about who you are. Sarah is the Global Human Resource Director for Diversity and Inclusion at Schneider Electric in Dubai. She has more than a decade of multinational experiences in the human resources field. She's an inspirational speaker and an award-winning ardent proponent of diversity and inclusion. And she's the author of a new book, Inclusion. Uh, Inclusion starts with you, a call to uh, spread a culture of inclusion to all diversities. And we're going to dive into her book today. Sarah, you're the first person I've had on this podcast that's really focused on this very important topic, which is quite hot these days. And so as we get started talking about this, I would love for you to tell us more about your journey to this work. What aspects of your own life and career led you to really um, pursue this with such a passion? Thank you so much, Meredith, for starting with this question, because as you know, this topic is really close to my heart. So it's yeah. not something that I do professionally only, but it's really a passion you know, space for me. It's a, the book was a passion project for me um, because it does relate to my life. So being a woman from the Middle East, uh, I've had to live a, a bit of a, a social pressure around what a woman what uh, ideally a woman should look like or do or be like or aspire for at a certain age and a certain space and all of that. Uh, and I got and I felt uh, at the point in time with my multinational experience and exposure that uh, there's a lot more than what so society expects from you. And I wanted to really explore more uh, that space. Um, but it was difficult, Meredith. I cannot, uh, I cannot deny that. It was difficult to to uh, move in that direction, uh, think and, and dream about things that, you know, were not naturally um, uh, naturally done by everyone, I would say. So uh, I kind of um, uh, uh, jumped um, the mountains and decided to kind of take the leap. Um, with the exposure that I've had professionally also uh, from the HR space that I have been exposed to and have been um, uh, working on since 15 years now, uh, I've learned a lot on what DNI means, you know, diversity and inclusion. And I, and I felt that, you know, this is exactly what I have been feeling, but never know how to express it. So I never knew what words to use and diversity and inclusion were exactly the space that uh, kind of expressed what I have been living and feeling and wanting to do. So this is how I kind of um, 
dwelled into what DNI meant uh, in the professional space and how can that also uh, link to our personal uh, and social lives. Uh, and this is why I decided at the time to lead that agenda for Schneider Electric initially and learn more and talk to professionals around the world around it um, and lead a lot of activities around diversity and inclusion, but also personally to explore uh, writing inclusion starts with you to share part of my experience and influence transformation in this space. Yeah, I can only imagine what, what um resistance you received from people in your family and some around you based on the norms, you know, of, of a place of a woman. So I, I just want to admire, let you know how much I admire what you have done to sort of break through. And really, because Schneider is a, you know, a huge company. And so trying to have impact um, around the world, really about this is you know, I just really respect that. One of the things I would like to do just for clarity for my audience too, is educate us about the difference between diversity and inclusion. Why are both words important? Um, uh, it's an excellent question. Uh, there's a lot of misconception around diversity and inclusion. Uh, many people around the world have experienced uh, diversity maybe, but not inclusion. And others have ex expressed uh, the need for inclusion, but they haven't kind of linked it or were able to link it with diversity. So uh, as you said initially in your introduction, the, the, the term is, has become very well known in politics and across governments, uh, socially. Uh, so it's a topic that touches a lot of people in different um, uh, ways of life, I would say. And of course, professionally, with COVID and before COVID. So, um, so many people thought that, okay, you know, it's a fancy word. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, kind of, let's um, tap into this space. Let's use it as an employer branding that we care about diversity and inclusion. But they focused more on either women only, promoting more women in the workspace or having more women even in governments and kind of using it as a, tipping promotion uh, employer branding point, but they forgot that having diversity would never work without putting together a platform where people can communicate, you know, can be open to different ideas. So if you bring people in from different cultures, but you don't let them um, uh, talk about their own cultures, their own beliefs, what, what you know, uh, share their perspectives, it wouldn't matter much. So diversity is great. It's really the conglomeration of stuff of different people from different backgrounds, culture, gender, anything, even mindset and um, uh, uh, education and things that are not even, you know, uh, perspective, basically. Uh, and inclusion is to make that diverse group work together perfectly to create creativity and opportunities for growth um, and acceptance mainly. So I've explained it in my book, maybe in a, in a nice metaphor that maybe people can relate to. It's like a salad where you, you know, you bring in, you put in different vegetables in one bowl, but the salad will only become a salad and it will taste good is only when you douse that dressing in it and you just mix it together. So this is kind of the metaphor that I usually use to try to explain it to people.
Mm -hmm. That's a great example. As I was listening to you talk, the thoughts that came to my mind around diversity is a variety of representation. And then the inclusion is respecting and acknowledging the need to actually involve them in the discussions, the decisions, so and and really genuinely appreciating the perspective that they bring without prejudging and dismissing out of hand just because there are differences. Yeah, yeah. So diversity, Meredith, is something that you can do easily uh, because again, it's it's kind of a seen KPI, like it's a target. I want to have people from different nationalities in my team or, you know, different backgrounds or different beliefs. But inclusion is much more difficult to acquire because or to achieve because it has to do a lot with the change of mindset, mm-hmm. the change of the way we, we operate as leaders. It's really about acceptance, non-judgment, uh, it's really how you, you know, stereotypes and biases, being more aware of how your mind operates. So it, it's a big change that is um, uh, that has to be driven there. And, you know, we hear too, um, DEI with E, or D, yeah, DEI with E being the equity part. How does that fit into the DNI? Absolutely. So there are a lot of terms. I call them a soup of terms like diversity, inclusion, equity. The the thing is, uh, the most common are the most common ones are still D and I because uh, you know diversity and inclusion or inclusion means uh, equity, uh, equality, and on different terms. So it's gender, it's uh, it's uh, uh, policies, um, it's really uh, equality of opportunities. So it can kind of, it's an umbrella for different things. But definitely equity is really part of the journey that we kind of aspire to have. Uh, Equity on all levels, uh, pay and opportunities and potential and all of that. Mm -hmm. Great. Thanks for clarifying that. You mentioned the word policy. And one of the things that I liked about your organization is you were talking about there were three things that are needed, policy being one behaviors and mindset. So can you um, just explain what you mean by that in the context of DNI and give examples so that people get you know a concrete idea of how does this actually work? Sure. So yes, I talk about the PBM because uh, again to, to have to start the conversation around diversity and inclusion there's different aspects that you need to touch it's not a one size fits all or just one aspect of of, uh, uh, of the workplace that you need to touch so policies is when we start talking about uh, uh, family uh, family friendly policies it means that you you accept the fact that people have a different concept of family nowadays right so it doesn't mean the traditional husband wife and children uh, because families we know across the world have completely changed you know you meet families with um with uh, you know it's it's not it's not very traditional anymore so there's a lot of what you call families and that impacts also the way that you take leave uh, someone, uh, God forbid, dies in your family, does it mean that it only has to be your wife or children, for example, for you to be able to take that um, leave or to take care of, of those people that you care more most about? So policy is really about looking into how we used to draft 
our leave policies, our uh, uh, anything that has to do with hiring policies, promotion policies, all of that to make sure our terms language is inclusive. We make we make sure that we accept and invite everyone into that policy. We account for people who are married with the same gender uh, or have uh, you know a very untraditional uh, family setup uh, or people who don't have children but have other um, uh, other. Um, circumstances like pets sometimes that are also important and that are, are as equally important for them as other members of the family. So it's really about the inclusive language we use and the policies we have um, and making sure that uh, we really open and not, ju not judgmental and we allow people to use those policies equally. So it applies equally across all uh, gender, across all levels of the organization, across the blue and the white color. We use. So it's really about making sure that our policies are equal, equally inclusive and acceptable uh, across the organization. So that's on the policy front. And then behavior and mindset is when you start tapping into how you, we can influence and transform the uh, how leaders um, uh, deal with their teams. So really role modeling, inclusive behavior across all the organizations from top to bottom and from top to bottom to up, because everyone is, uh, everyone it's not a thing that we need only CEOs to have. It's really across the behavior and mindset that has to go across the organization. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where we can influence as HR leaders and, P and professionals. That's great. Uh, the uh, policies you had, and we won't have time today to go into all of them, but I really liked the specificity you got into with looking at language that in the past we might have seen as innocuous, you know, or just not even thought of it. To me, one of the great strengths of your book is just raising awareness. There were so many areas that I hadn't really thought about the implications of saying things a certain way in a policy and how that excluded, you know, some people or could have the impact of causing some people to be disengaged because that's really a lot of what we're looking at here. An engaged workforce is more productive. And so that the slice that you're looking into is this whole area of helping people feel like they belong right? And, and avoiding those things that can get in the way. And one of the other things that I wanted to get at, you know, too many times, and you mentioned this earlier, that companies can adopt this as a brand, right? Or it could be their flavor of the month as, you know, employees see, oh, here's one more program they're throwing at us. How do you help organizations move from saying this is important. We're going to really focus on this and actually making it a part of how they do business, both internally with employees and leaders, but also externally with the way they deal with customers, prospective customers, and the community. Um, unfortunately, the answer to this question, people might not like, <laughs> because it's very um, mathematical driven. Uh, unfortunately, the way I see it is the only the only way we can promote change is to push people sometimes to get out of their comfort zone. And by pushing people, sometimes you have to give them incentive to do it. Unfortunately, this is human nature. 
Uh, ideally, I, I personally, as an HR professional and as human being, I would want to give you know flexibility. I, I would love to people you know to behave the way they want to behave and be also inclusive and accepting others as much as they want to. But when we talk about inclusion, uh, there's a long way to go. You know, unfortunately, Marius, as we speak, maybe you've seen uh, uh, you, you've seen some news talk about this. She session and we've lost like in COVID 2.3 million women from the workforce after all the efforts that we've been doing as organizations over the past many many years we we still you know some circumstances that happen some pandemic uh, impacts really hugely our workforce and the only way to push co corporates and push leaders to think differently is to is to kind of give them the incentive, maybe put it under their KPI that you have to have diversity in within your team. It's not because um, you know it's just a tick in the box, and we want to be you know we want to use it as an employer branding because we want to push people to get out of their comfort zone and experience how beneficial this aspect would be for their teams, for the creativity, the perspective, the growth within their organization, and growth for them. Because getting out of your comfort zone pushes you to also learn and, and grow your mind and, and everything. So, um, yes, a lot of organizations say, and, and recently I've read in the Mercer report that 80% of organizations say that they, do, they are doing a lot, but actually only 40 or 50% of them are actually doing uh, change within their policies, doing have, having KPIs. That yes, by end of uh, you know 2025, we want to have this is the target that we want to achieve in terms of diversity at all levels. This is the policies that we are reviewing, hiring. You know, uh, these are this is the way that we're revising our uh, again our hiring process or promotion or performance management process. So there's a lot of things going on, but yet it's it's still at 50% from where we aspire to be. Um, so yeah, KPIs is something. Um, that we use, hoping that one day we won't need them. We just, uh, you know, we leave it up to people um, uh, by creating that awareness, by influencing people to transform and, tra uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and really uh, change. We wouldn't need those KPIs to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, let's drill down to, say, an individual leader. And thinking about, because you've, you've got experience now working with so many different individuals and you've seen those who really do it well. And I'd like to focus on those types of folks. So listeners can be thinking about, well, what is something that I could do? Or what is a way that I could think that would help me as a, as a leader, as a business owner, as a consultant working with clients, what does it look like when a leader is being really effective at, let's, let's take each one separately at, you know, at diversity, but also at inclusion, what is it they do? So it's not rocket science, really. I, I in, in March, I've had a lot of talks about, uh, about what kind of things, as you said, like, okay, it's nice to talk about, I want to be inclusive, but really when it comes to solid actions, what can I do? It's not rocket science. It starts by becoming more aware of how your mind operates. So there's a lot of psychology behind it. 
I'm not a psychologist, but I have read a lot about how the human brain works so that you would be more aware of the biases that come to your mind whenever you are talking to someone, you're meeting someone new, you're promoting or, or assessing someone's performance as a leader, I'm saying within the organization. So unfortunately, humans by nature, they love similarities. And I've talked about it a, lot, a little bit in my book. So by nature, you're attracted to people who look like you or who have been to the same schools or, you know, oh, you, you see that in his CV, he has, you know, he's been to INSEAD, which is a great school. And I've been there. I'm also an INSEAD alumni. So ooh, this guy must be good. So you create those stereotypes in your mind that will impact the way that you look at the CV and you, the way you approach the candidate, for example. So by understanding that, uh, unfortunately and quickly, your mind does those shortcuts to create stereotypes that will impact your decision, you will become more aware that, okay, let me take a, a step back. Let me think, am I taking this decision with bias or without bias? I will ask myself as a leader that simple question. And by asking that question, it gives me objective perspective. That means I'm open to uh, challenging myself to become more inclusive away from biases and stereotypes. And that is a simple example of hiring someone or even looking at the CV and making judgments uh, according to that. Other things are also like uh, microaggressions that I've talked about that are so simple and everyone, including myself, are guilty of doing. Like, you know, you, you ask a question and sometimes you just look at people who or, or listen to people who kind of can uh, justify your own answer or your own perspective and you ignore people who probably will say no to you uh, or contradict you. So by... To push yourself to become inclusive, you have to start listening more, start opening up and asking people what they think whenever you're around the table or invite people to give their perspective if they don't usually do it by nature, because this is the only way you will learn. You will learn about their perspectives, things that they contradict with, you know, things that you've built upon and been raised upon and you've educated and learned but you've never looked into the different perspective because you never invited others to, to contradict you. Okay. So it's really about changing those small things, listening more, opening up, being uh, non-judgmental in the way you look at things and listen to things, give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, uh, like, uh, and again, the way they, they we, we tend to work a lot, especially in Dubai, you know, it's an expatriate market. So, there's, there's a lot of potential racism based on people's nationalities and culture. So this is something that we really need to, to work uh, around. Like if he's Asian, does it mean that he's, you know, he's great in math and then I would hire him for an engineering role or because he's just, you know, Indian nationality. So those are the things that we need to start learning about ourselves first and then starting to change our behavior around that. And that will help you become a more inclusive leader. And that is only step one. So name it to solve it. That's, you've brought up so many great points there. I love the fact that you started with, you know, listening. Because too often we listen with filters that then uh, kind of eliminate the things we don't want to hear 
And those unquestioned biases, unconscious biases that we we bring to the table. And I love the example you gave in a meeting or anytime there's a group gathered where you're having discussions to really pay attention to who's contributing and who isn't. And one of the words that came to my mind as I was listening to you was you're really helping people feel safe, you know, because you're honoring their value in the way you address them, the way you draw out from them, your, your role modeling, really. So all of us can do this, no matter what our title or official position is, we can be aware if someone has been excluded in a discussion and seek to pause things and draw that person in. Talk a little bit more about the microaggressions that you mentioned, because you know one example obviously is failing to involve certain people in the discussion or decision-making process. What are some other microaggressions that we might not be aware that we do, that if we become more aware, we could change them? Yeah. Uh, microaggressions, although are called micro, they actually the, uh, the impact of uh, you know the, their impact is not micro at all, unfortunately. But they are small things that everybody does. And and small another uh, an example of uh, of that is something we all do is looking at our phones and sitting like this when someone is talking to us, uh, especially in in the workplace. You know, even even at home, it's disrespectful. But it doesn't only fall under the respect category. It's really uh, it. it tells a message to the person that is talking to you. And that message, um, that message is what we call the microaggression. So it's a negative message that, you know what, either I don't care what you're talking, what you're telling me, because I'm so focused on my messages here, or someone, you know, it's not good, it's not um, important enough. So, uh, so those are the kind of messages that the recipient is getting while simply in, in our mind, we're just, you know, sending a message and, and multitasking, what we call multitasking. But in reality, it's really about the messages that we're giving the other, the recipient. So using the phone is a very common one because we all tend to do it consciously and unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the right thing to do is just to tell someone that, you know, uh, I'm sending this message, give me a minute and I'll be fully present with you. And that's, you know, a confirmation to tell someone, I care about what you're going to tell me. I'm listening to you. I'm listening and I'm looking at you. And I acknowledge that you are actually asking for my advice or help or telling me something important. And that's why you're here. So these are the kind of small things that we need to be careful around. Sending, like ignoring people in emails. Sometimes we do it. I tell you, I'm in the corporate world and we do it. Sometimes you ignore someone or you... You, uh, you, uh, you, you ignore them in inviting, uh, you know, you, you ask people, do you want to have coffee? They go out to have coffee and you exclude someone. So those are the small things that we know that sometimes are disrespectful. Um, but the message to the recipient could not definitely uh, or surely be micro. Um, it might build up and really impact the psychology of the other, of the other person. Mm-hmm. It's just an underlying theme of everything you're saying is awareness, you know, paying attention to the fact that, oh, if this person and I decide to go to coffee, how might that other person feel if we're, you know, being obvious in 
excluding them. So I think those are all good examples to, to, um, to consider. And just looking at, you know, asking the question, how am I contributing here to a lack of inclusiveness with my approach to interacting with others on my team or in my life for that matter? One of the other topics that you devote a chapter to that I would, we're both women, so this, you know, impacts our lives is this whole thing of women and equity and pay. Yeah. And what are you seeing as uh, trends towards the equalization of, of that kind of compensation and, and all the other things that go with it, leadership opportunities, the whole works? Yeah. Uh, in in my book and post my book, because again, I work with a lot of women around women empowerment, and it's a big topic in the diversity and inclusion space. Um, I call the three, kind of three reasons for why women are behind, either in the pay factor or sometimes in leadership opportunities, and I call bias, clarity and confidence. So bias is what we've talked about. Sometimes, uh, you know, um, men or women don't give equal opportunities to other women because uh, they have biases in their mind that, you know, she's married, she has kids, she's not going to be fully present. So those are biases. Those are stereotypes that uh, she might not be fully operational or, you know, or present or give us a hundred percent. So that could be one. Um, uh, and also some biases that, Men are stronger in some of the industries, like ah, if I have an engineering uh, or vacancy, uh, men are better in engineering than women. And again, those are stereotypes, but they exist. So bias is one, and that pushes women back. Second one is clarity and confidence that are related to how us women operate. So clarity is when we ask ourselves, do we know what we want? You know, is it really, are we really asking ourselves, who am I? Do I know what I want as a woman? Do I really want to have a career? Do I really want to be, you know, a stay-at-home mom? Do I want to, you know, so it's really about asking all of these reflection questions. And then the confidence of asking for it. So do I want that next promotion? If I want it, and I'm sure that I want it, will I go and ask for it? And if I go and ask for it, am I confident enough to say, you know, this is this is the salary that I want because this is what I feel I'm worth. So the problem is that today um, we, of course, not all women. I'm not generalizing, but we do have a challenge in uh, the confidence of women asking for what they want. And uh, this is historically where the you know the pay gaps have started, and yet we still have uh, a big pay gap. That, that everyone across all organizations is working on, uh, but women have a role to play. And this is where I try to kind of, again, help and support women to ask for what they want and not assume that people and organizations are going to be um, uh, you know, treating them equally. So of course, Schneider and other organizations are already tackling this topic by looking into where gender gaps exist, where are we... Uh, paying men more than women or women more than men doing the same roles and adjusting this. Of course, this requires budgets and requires provision, but it's happening. Now, it could take years to close the gap, but it's happening. 
And this is where we encourage, uh, and I use your platform to encourage other organizations to look at that, to look into where the gaps exist and put a plan if they cannot afford to do close the gap today, put a plan and say, okay, in the coming three years, this is what I'm going to do to adjust slowly, slowly and give equally um, uh, pay, uh, pay based on skill and not based on gender. Mm-hmm. That's great. Sarah, this has been so valuable for raising all kinds of, not issues, but just topics around this diversity and inclusion arena, shall we say. And I want to encourage everyone to pick up a book, a copy of your book, Inclusion Starts With You. I love that. And as we close up, Sarah, tell everybody how they can connect with you and where they can pick up a copy of your book. Absolutely, Meredith. So uh, my book is available on Amazon and on Book Depository and Barnes and Noble. So that if they want to order it online, uh, and also there's a Kindle version for those who have a Kindle and would prefer to have the like the virtual uh, um, copy. Uh, and if they are based in the UAE, I, I was um, glad and to finally have it available in one of the major bookstores across the across Dubai and uh, and UAE, which is called Borders. So it's physically there for those who wants to take a copy. Uh, and uh, again, in Lebanon, my home country. It's available also in one of the biggest bookstores, Librairie Antoine, uh, again, for those who want to grab a copy. And we're working on having it available in India physically, but I will keep that for later uh, to announce once it's, uh, it's uh, fully there. Uh, but on Amazon, definitely everybody can access uh, and I um, would be more than happy for anyone to connect to ask questions or to uh, get support on through my LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there. I'm reachable anytime they would like to have a conversation around that. That would be great. Sarah, thank you. And that Sarah Tabet, T-A-B-E-T, look for her on LinkedIn and connect and mention um, this podcast episode. Thank you for the important work you're doing, Sarah, to help bring this awareness to a much higher level, as well as implementation of policies, behaviors, and mindsets to really reinforce the importance of diversity and inclusion. Thank you, Meredith. It was really a pleasure and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now, head over to growstrongleaders.com slash free and grab our ebook, Listen Like a Pro. You'll find out how to connect on a deeper level with the people who matter to you. And while you're there, check out our two books, Connect with Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.